Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 108th episode of the You Thought Podcast. We are unfortunately not with the whole cohort today. We are missing our beloved Wyatt. Wyatt, we miss you. Hopefully you're back next week. But I am joined otherwise by Lucas, Jared, and Aiden. Let's just jump right in, as usual, to the news we missed to begin with. Uh, first and foremost, the F1 season recently ended in dramatic fashion. Jared, can you elaborate on that? Yes, yeah, so... Max Verstappen started on pole, Lewis Hamilton second, and it was the final race of the season. They were level on points, but Lewis took the lead literally in the first corner and never relinquished it from there until you already knew that Nicholas Latifi... I mean, you thought it would be Mazepin, but actually it was Nicholas Latifi who ended up causing controversy uh, as he crashed at the end of the race, brought out a safety car, which bunches up the pack, and there were back markers, like lapped cars, in between Lewis and Max. At which, who are in first and second, respectively. Then the uh, the normal procedure is you're supposed to let all lapped cars go through, and then on the following lap, you restart the race. But Michael Massey made an ad hoc decision, the race director, to only let the lapped cars in between first and second pass, and then started the race pretty much immediately, which, long story short, is against the rules. And uh, Max Verstappen ended up using that opportunity to pass Lewis on the very last lap and win the championship. Mercedes protested the result. Uh, Yeah, they protested the race. That was denied. They lodged their intention to appeal, but then just today decided actually they are not going to appeal anymore. Uh, Apparently urged by Lewis Hamilton himself. So I think that's really interesting. There's a lot of uh, mixed feelings about the way it went down. We'll talk about it on a Formula One solo show. Those are coming back. Uh, at least me and Lucas, I know, will be on there. Lucas, do you have quick thoughts on it? Yeah, I mean, like, it's like, you know, a team is up by 14 with a minute left in the game, and then they decide to make the score tied and give the other team that was losing the ball on the two-yard line. It's kind of <laughs> like that, which is not exactly fair. But it is what it is. It is what it is. They got a good finish. They got their finish. Netflix is going to be happy with Drive to Survive Season 4. Hopefully they don't mess it up is all I'm saying because Season 3 is not that yeah. good compared to the first two. Yeah. Okay. Lewis is going to get number 8 next year. No, that's fine. Here's the other thing, though, is uh, Total Wolf made a comment that made it sound like Lewis, uh, Lewis Hamilton is considering retirement right now. So There's that's no way. There's oh, no way. I don't know about that. I think Lewis Hamilton is very interested in a lot of off-track stuff, and I would not be shocked if he retired. He wants eight. He wants eight, oh. but I would be shocked. He's anyway, yeah. don't want to hijack too much of the episode. If you like that, <clears throat> tune in for that solo show. Mm-hmm. Can't wait. Definitely, yeah, definitely lots to talk about there. Um, okay, but yeah, moving on. Uh, in NBA news, or one NBA news of the day, Zion is officially shut down for the season, so he's he's done. He has now officially missed more games in his career than he has played, which is pretty wild. Yes. Um, yeah. yeah, I don't know. There are funny reports slash photos of him at like over 330 pounds or something like that. I don't know yeah. what's true anymore. But anyway, um, <laughs> as far as retired NBA players go, we want to shout out J.R. Smith, who recently got a 4.0 this semester. Good work, J.R. King. King. We, lo- we love NBA retired NBA athletes who thrive academically afterwards. Mm. Honestly. I can and he thought he wasn't going to get it, right? It was like a nice surprise. Yeah. He, was like, he like tweeted the day before. Yeah. He's like, I really thought I was going to get a 4.0, but it looks like I'm going to come up just short. And then the next day he's like, 
Just kidding. I really did get a 4.0. Nice. Just so much fun. It's so yeah. wholesome. I love it. Yeah. Must have been a good curve or something. <laughs> so. no, not that he's not. I feel like. No, no, no. But You're saying that, not that I don't think he's that. No, that's not what I'm saying. But sometimes you do worse, but then you actually do well. That's how curves work. Right. Anyway. Go ahead. <laughs> Anyways, um, but yeah, speaking speaking of college, there's also a lot of news in the football world. Um, Kenny Pickett's, well, now illegal slide, which we talked about a little bit last week, was really quickly banned. Like that's the fastest I've ever seen uh, the college like college football committees of any kind do something. Um, <laughs> yeah. They they banned it immediately because obviously it's super dangerous. So that was interesting. Um, Bryce Young won the Heisman. Surprise, surprise! Another Bama player wins Heisman. I sound really excited. <laughs> if anybody has any thoughts on this, uh, they hadn't won one before Nick Saban was coaching. Now they've won four since he became coach. And that's Mark the first Ingram, time a quarterback they, won too for Alabama. Yeah, sure. it's Mark so. Ingram, Derrick Henry, Devontae Smith, and now Bryce Young. Right. Mm-hmm. But he's also their most highly recruited quarterback ever. So, yeah. uh, or like highest ranked recruit. So. Um, and then, yeah, speaking of other quarterbacks, a bunch of transfer news. Five-star quarterback recruit Quinn Ewers of Ohio State transferred to Texas. So maybe now when Jared talks about Texas being good, you'll finally be right. I don't know. They have Spencer, a top-four class right now. It's crazy. Yeah, but they always, they they, always are they always do recruiting-wise. No, you're right. Um, but these are Sarks guys now, so here we go. <laughs> I don't know. Honestly, I hope they, they were he did four and eight guys. this year. Yeah, yeah. Is that correct? Oh, so was Brian Kelly, and look at what he did the next year. Yeah, well, that's a, a compelling argument. <laughs> How many national championships did he win? Though? Yeah, but he wasn't at Texas. I mean, he was at Texas North. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's what they always say. An equivalent program. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, Spencer Rattler committed to USC. Not the USC you're thinking of, though. South Carolina, which is interesting. That's really I interesting. Know. I don't know about that, but we'll see. I don't get it. <laughs> we'll, I mean, I mean yeah. the bar is pretty low there. They were starting that like graduate assistant, right? <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> true. He'll be able to start. Like, will it be good isn't happening them? again. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what if, they, if the graduate assistant though does take a spot? Then there's no coming back. From good that. stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, lastly, quarterbacks were still in the transfer portal. Interesting. Bo Nix of Auburn and Keaton Slovis, I think is how you say it, of the correct USC. So that'll be interesting to see where they wind up. Mm-hmm. Um, we wanted to highlight the fact that Georgia's defensive coordinator, Dan Lenning, was hired as Oregon's new head coach, but he will stay with Georgia for the playoffs, which is good, I guess. Um, yeah. I don't know if, if, Jared, does this hire excite you? Um... I will again. I want to tease another solo show because during the off season, when I have a little bit more time, I want to do like state of the program for my Pac-12, Washington and Oregon teams. Um, I think this they're just setting themselves up for what has happened the last couple years, where he's going to take like some SEC job in three years. Where that like you need a guy. I think they needed to get a West Coast guy that like saw Oregon as a destination. Every other person there has lasted like less than three years apparently. So. I think Oregon, you know, it is what it is. What it is. I guess that's where the direction they wanted to, or it actually was their second choice, apparently. They, they were going for the West Coast guy with Justin Wilcox at Cal, but didn't get it. I thought that was a bad hire. I thought that would have been a bad hire, though. So, I think this, like, on paper, it's pretty good, but he's going to leave in, like, three years. Probably. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Okay. Oh, I'm kidding. Okay. 
Uh, and then lastly, just some NFL talk. Um, this is in addition to all the crazy COVID news that has been happening recently, but a whole bunch of teams and players are on like COVID watch or whatever. Um, but there were actually concrete injuries that happened to some notable quarterbacks last week. Lamar sprained his ankle, didn't return. He is like likely to play, but we're still not sure. Josh Allen left his game in a walking boot, and they don't know if he's going to be playing. And Aaron Rodgers had a setback with his fractured toe, and we also don't know if he's going to be playing. So uh, it's definitely interesting now, especially with, um, with playoff implications, uh, with the season coming to a close in a few weeks. Um, I'm, uh, I'm a little worried we might start getting some COVID shutdowns with games. Yeah. yeah. The way things have been going. Yeah. Yeah, do you so, see that today the NFL, like, laxed, I think it was the NFL, laxed their rules around, like, how soon after, you know, getting COVID a player can play? Yeah. They, they relaxed them? Everything. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. For, for oh. vaccinated players, right? Yeah. I think. Interesting. Pres- presumably to offset this, which definitely yeah. is <laughs> super logical. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, catch us talking about... The best sports snacks are the last thing. Yeah, hopefully we don't get to that point. (laughs) Uh, Okay, and then lastly, probably the big news of the week was Urban Meyer actually just straight up got fired. He didn't even manage to finish one season with the Jaguars. I don't know if anybody has any thoughts on this. Surprised? Not surprised? He kicked a player, you know. Allegedly, the kicker. Oh, yeah, no. <laughs> kicked the kicker. <laughs> <laughs> so let me, sh- let me show you how to do your job. This is really did, but uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, crazy. Because I mean, to be, like in terms of on-field performance, I don't know what we expected out of the Jaguars this year, but I didn't expect like that much more than what we're seeing right now. Maybe like, exactly. a little bit more. Um, but it's been all like the off-field chaos. Uh-huh. Um, you know. Yeah, he's like. He apparently told the staff he was like, I had a better coaching staff at Bowling Green. Like, that was his big thing. Yeah, apparently there was a moment where he said, like, what What have you won? Like, what championships have you won? What, like, win or success do you have on your resume? He said something like that to them, and it was like, well, <laughs> dude, you, you won in college. It doesn't count anymore. Can I, walk back, can I walk back my statements from a couple episodes ago where I said Notre Dame should give him a call? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's not looking We're, good right now. You've seen the light. <laughs> He tarnished a like a, a perfectly fine legacy by Honestly. the end of his career, yeah. like yeah. by doing this. Yeah, he did. He had a everything he touches is gold kind of thing. I mean, like he had a, yeah. some controversy, but still pretty much yep. like, all right, stellar coach knows how to build yeah. a culture and all that, and <laughs> complete op- complete one eighty. So yeah. I've seen some tweets too about it, like how the two thousand eight Florida team is like the most interesting team in sports history with like Urban Meyer, Tim Tebow, Aaron Hernandez. Mm-hmm. Riley Cooper, like all, all oh my these, goodness, like, yeah, that's crazy. They had, yeah. they had Cam right before he transferred. They did. Cam was also on that team, I think. The there was the Pouncy brothers. Yeah, I saw a tweet about the. Yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh! If they would have done hard, they probably did maybe some sort of hard knocks or something. Hopefully, there's somewhere yeah. on YouTube. Good. I want a thirty for thirty. Just felt like the 2008 Florida. Team. Yeah, that'd be I think great. It'd be fascinating. Yeah. All right, all right, let's finally dive in <laughs> to our first discussion. Uh, I alluded to the playoff implications uh, a few minutes ago, and now let's talk about that a little bit in more detail, specifically in the NFC. Uh, the last two wildcard spots there, um, actually, it's there's even more ambiguity than just two, those two spots now, but um, there's a bunch of teams in the running right now, 7-6 49ers, a bunch of 6-7 and seven teams, even some 5-8 and eight teams. So, Lucas, let's start with you. Who do you think... Are the most likely teams to snag those last two wild card spots? 
right. So I'm not going to go through and rank every single team who has a chance, but I'm going to rank, I think, the top four teams in order that I think are most likely to make the playoffs. And the team that I think is most likely, and I don't think this is just a homer pick, is the Philadelphia Eagles. That's a um, homer think, pick. No, it's not. <laughs> listen, listen, hear me out. They're my favorite team, sure, but um, I'm going to go through a few reasons why I think the Eagles have the best shot to get um, the last wild cards from the NFC. First, easy remaining schedule. Uh, I think the Eagles have by far the easiest remaining schedule. They have two games against Washington, who despite being pretty okay recently, um, showed that against a competent defense in the Cowboys this past weekend, they couldn't do anything. And then in addition to those two games against Washington, they have one against the Giants, and then one against the Cowboys. I think there are at least two guaranteed wins there, probably three. I know they lost to the Giants last time, but Hurts isn't going to throw three interceptions again. Jalen Rager isn't going to drop two passes in the end zone again. I think that they'll be fine and probably win all their games except the Cowboys games. Second, uh, they have a better offense and defense than most of the other teams going for the wild card. The only team with a better offense competing for the wild card, 49ers. The only team with a better defense, also the 49ers. So you may ask why I'm not picking the 49ers first, but we'll get to that in a second. Uh, last is momentum. The Eagles started slow this year, uh, but I think they've really turned it on as of late. They've developed one of the best rushing offenses in the NFL when Hurts plays, and I think they'll continue that through the end of the season. So I think it comes down ultimately to whether they can beat Washington. Um, but if they win both those, I think they should coast into the wild card. Number two, the Atlanta Falcons. No uh, way! <laughs> <laughs> That's ridiculous. Bold, I know. I, listen, I feel I, teams that are birds that are going to make the playoffs. Okay. Maybe. <laughs> no, but I have other reasons. Maybe. Um, now you ask my, why I might not be picking the 49ers here. Again, we'll get to it. But the Falcons have two things on their side. One, momentum. I think they might have actually turned a corner lately. They've won two of the last three. They've had some bad losses early in the year. But, you know, they can grit it out. Matt Ryan's... Probably the most experienced quarterback amongst them. I think helps them out a lot. And last, they have an easy remaining schedule. Uh, the game against the 49ers this weekend might be a de facto elimination game for that wild card spot. But if they can win that, they should beat the Lions. Uh, they should beat the Saints, who are imploding. And I think they have a pretty good shot to beat the Bills um, that have really, really struggled this year. So I think if they can beat the 49ers this weekend, they could win out, run the table. We'll see. All right, third, finally the 49ers. Um, they're the best-ranked offense and defense of any of the teams competing for the wild card in the NFC. Uh, but I think the thing that maybe dooms them is their schedule. They probably have a guaranteed win against the Texans, um, but I think their their other three games could probably be losses. Again, the Falcons game, probably an eliminator. But then their other two games are against the Titans and the Rams, two of the best teams in the NFL, which I think are probably both guaranteed losses. So we'll see what happens there. I think while they have a really good team, it just comes down to their tough schedule. And then last... Um, most likely of the four teams I'm ranking, I think is the Washington football game, is the Washington football team. Uh, just like for the Eagles, <laughs> it comes down to beating each other to get in. So, like, if the Eagles win those games against the Washington football team, then they'll get in. If the Washington football team wins those games against the Eagles, they'll get in. They have the exact same remaining schedule as those two teams. They both play each other twice, the Giants and the Cowboys. So, basically, will I think, just come down to those two games because I think they'll both probably beat the Giants but lose to the Cowboys. So... If they can get back into the way they were playing in November, I think they have a shot of winning and getting into the playoff. But I think they're not quite as good as the Eagles, so I think the Eagles have the end. Those are my four teams I think are most likely to get that last NFC wildcard spot. Um, yeah, I have some problems with that. For okay. <laughs> I think that's okay. The most likely I think of those teams to make it is the 49ers, Actually, they've they've been they've been coming on really strong. George Kittle, like they they're coming back from all their injuries. 
George Kittle's been absolutely going off recently. I have him on my fantasy team, so that's kind of how I got pinged to that. <laughs> but he's been going off. And Jimmy G and Kyle Shanahan are like, when they're healthy, are a pretty good duo in general. And I I think the Titans have been kind of sputtering. I think that they can win that game. The Bills have been sputtering. They can easily win that game. And like you said, guaranteed win against the Texans. Who knows what happens against the Rams. But I think the 49ers have a lot of talent. I actually think the second team is a team you did not mention, the Minnesota Vikings. They have they just have a lot of talent. They have a lot of talent on their roster. Like as much as we want to bash against Kirk, uh, he is playing pretty well this season. Like they just put up thirty six. Um, was it thirty six last game in the thirties somewhere? Um, they had a twenty nine zero you know lead at one point. It's like they've beaten the Packers, who I think are the best team in the NFL, right? And they they just have so much talent. They can play with anybody. And I don't think these one-score games are going to – they can't all go against them. You know, I think they're going to start pulling out some of these at the end of the year. Um, hopefully, like with injuries and that sort of stuff, they stay fine. But, you know, Dalvin Cook, Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, Kirk Cousins is a, is a really good offensive um, core. I, I, I think they just have more talent than – yes, the Eagles have an easy schedule, but I just think they're kind of – they're like a run-heavy, a little bit more limited team offensively especially than I think the other teams are. I don't give the Saints or yeah. Washington football team or the Falcons. I didn't I literally did not even write them down <laughs> as having a shot. Same. So Yeah. 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 I'm definitely with you, Jared though. I I think the Vikings are definitely the most intriguing. I think they're the most likely to actually, you know, do something in the playoffs. Not necessarily, mm. you know, make mm-hmm. a huge run, but to actually upset someone because they've given everyone a scare. The yeah. Ravens, the Cowboys, the Cardinals, the Bengals, like a bunch of good teams they've played and lost to in super close fashion. And they've beaten, as you mentioned, the Packers, they've beaten the Chargers. Um, they don't have the easiest path forward, but they, you know, they have two games against the Bears, which is not necessarily two automatic wins, but a guaranteed one score very game. possibly <laughs> two wins right there. And then the Rams in Green Bay, um, which, you know, they've already beaten Green Bay once. I wouldn't be surprised if they won at least one of those games. Um, so I definitely, I'm hoping for the Vikings because I think they're the most interesting team. Um, and I think they can do it. But like the Eagles, I mean, who have the Eagles beaten? Like the Broncos? I like... <laughs> the thing I, is, they don't, the thing they is, don't, they don't have to. to beat anybody. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like, I don't, um, do I think the Eagles just... are the best team of those teams? No, but do I think they're most likely to? Mm. I think, no, yes, you're not, yeah, you're not necessarily wrong there. Um, but... But yeah, I'm I'm rooting for the Vikings part. I'm I'm with you. I actually I actually have them listed as the the what would be the eighth seed. I don't think they're gonna uh, make it. Um, what? Yeah, I actually so wait. Who who do I agree with? I I think it's gonna be the Niners and the Washington Football Team. Actually, oh, so I, I'm 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 losing track. I don't think that the Eagles will win as many games as Washington Football Team as you think, Lucas. <laughs> Right. Uh, I well, because like, kind of like what Aiden was saying, like who who have the Eagles beaten versus the Washington football team have actually beaten like they've beaten the Bucks, for instance. They they've had some solid wins. I think they've just been hot recently. So yeah, anyway, I was looking at schedules remaining and basically just trying to count how many games I think teams will be, win of their mm-hmm. remaining four. And I thought that the, the Niners would win at least two, if not three, mm-hmm. and ditto for the Washington football team. And all the other teams are going to go two and two or worse. In my opinion, including the Vikings, unfortunately. I agree with you, Aiden, that the Vikings would be awesome in the playoffs because they have that potential, but as a Minnesota fan, I just can't get my hopes up. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's fair. I think they drop at least one of two against the Bears. The Bears put up a decent fight against the Packers this weekend. And I could see it happening. I think we're going to get one NFC East. Like, of those last two spots, I think we're going to get one NFC East team just because they play the exact same schedule. So I think whoever plays out that schedule better will get in of the two of them. Yeah. Yeah. That's... Yeah. Yeah, I think the, the Giants most... get good. And... Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, always possible. Yeah, where's Wyatt at to defend? Yeah, the <laughs> but um, but yeah, I think the thing I'm most skeptical of though is whether the Eagles will yeah beat the Washington football team twice. I'm not mm. sold on those being easy games by any means. Well, we'll see. First one this weekend. Go yeah, Birds. True, true. <laughs> <laughs> the Falcons, you mean? Yeah, the Falcons. <laughs> Intentionally big, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, let's 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 change tack slightly here because all this talk about which teams will make it perhaps begs the question of whether we want any of these teams to make it. Uh, you know, as we've said, maybe the Washington football team isn't that good. Maybe the maybe the Eagles aren't that good. So on and so forth. So, Aiden, let's throw it to you now. Do you think that the NFL actually made a mistake and overexpanded uh, two years ago by adding this third wild card team? Yes, I feel like we we talk constantly about like the college football playoff and how it should be expanded. I think most of us are in favor of it expanding. Um, Jared, you know, is is here and may have a different opinion. But, <laughs> um, I think we're we're generally on that same page. But like with the college football playoff, we're talking about teams we haven't necessarily seen play each other um, who could maybe make some noise. Teams who, you know, have one or two losses um, and have kind of earned their moment in the spotlight. Whereas with the NFL, we're talking about teams that we've seen, like, play each other all season. Um, And some of them are just not playoff teams. They haven't really beaten good teams. Like the Washington football team, Eagles, Niners, like a lot of the contenders, once in a while maybe they'll take out someone good. But in general, the wins that they get are against bad teams. Like, there's the playoffs should be a privilege, you know, something that's earned. Um, and, you know, as we inch towards a league where half the teams are going to have a playoff spot, we're not there yet. But 14 is, we're getting there. We're getting to NBA level. Um, how much does it mean at this point? And how threatening are some of the teams that are, you know, contending for this last playoff spot? I don't think very threatening. I feel like if it's not a team that anyone's scared of or a team that anyone thinks could even potentially, you know, contend for a title, why are they in the playoffs? They're just watering it down. And in football, there's a serious wear and tear element of, you know, we add extra games, you know, we could potentially cause problems for future games. And I really just don't think it's worth it for, you know, some first round matchups with, you know, seven seeds that don't feel like they've actually earned anything here. Um, I will rush to the defense of expansion here, actually, just a little bit. <laughs> um, I like that in order to avoid that chaos of potentially getting upset by a Vikings team, you want that number one seed. You get a bye. You, have, you play one less game than everybody else. You have home field advantage. It makes the regular season matter just a little bit more. And I think that's a good thing about this structure, that there's only one team in each conference that gets a bye, incentivizing you to be the best team throughout the regular season. I think that's a good thing. I think that you're wrong. Um, <laughs> I, I think, I mean, you you hinted at the regular season meaning more, but it only means more for, like, the number one seed, I think, exactly. across the board. 
Well, yeah, but that shouldn't be the thing that's most important. I think it, the regular season matters so much less across the board. You can, I think, pretty easily at this point, you'll get teams who are below 500 making the playoff. Like, I think almost certainly the last seed in the wild card, or the last NFC wildcard team will be 8-9 and nine this year. Um, and I think that no sport should ever, ever, ever have a team in it which is below 500 make the playoffs. I think it's a problem in the NBA. If you lose more games than you win, you should not make the playoff. It completely devalues the regular season and anything that it's for. And it like occasionally happened in the old NFL system, like very, very infrequently, but it did happen. So you shouldn't expand it to make that more possible. Like I get it's money and blah, 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 blah. But it's like, it's frustrating that like the regular season at this point is so devalued to the point where like losing teams would make it. Like nobody's arguing like, the thing is, too, like, comparing it to college, in college, there are, like, 135 teams, and we're talking about expanding it from 4 to 8 or 4 to 12. In the NFL, where there are 32 teams, and now 14 of them are making it. Like, bad teams are going to make it. I think it's a completely different scenario. It completely devalues the regular season, and I just think it's not good. Okay, can I give, can I give one counterpoint? Yeah, we haven't talked about ahead. the AFC at all. Last year, who was the seventh seed? It was the 11-5 and five Colts who played the Bills who made it to the AFC Championship by three points. They played them close by three points in the first game of their season. So I think what I'm trying to say is that ideally we could get a few more seasons of a sample size to see. Because it's not like it's never going to happen that you get a really good team making it as a seven seed. If your conference is good like the AFC was last year. The NFC has been weak both years, and so yeah. But yeah, I think ultimately my biggest gripe with it is like what, what we're saying about adding the game. If the NFL hadn't added a 17th regular season game as well, mm-hmm. then I would be a little bit less annoyed. But, like, they just want to really kill the players by yeah, adding an extra playoff game yeah. and adding an re- extra regular season game, which bothers me a little bit. Yeah, I totally agree. Me yeah. too. I was not a fan of the 17th game. No. Yeah. yeah. It broke like the perfect NFL scheduling system. It was yeah. like... <sighs> anyway. Yeah, also, odd number of seasons are weird. I think they're the yeah. only sport with an odd number of games. Let's add Nate team. Feels very They wanted to. Didn't they want I like to this year? Multiples of five. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. A fifteen game season would be nice. You know, we just didn't know. you just say odd numbers are weird though? <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> okay. I lied. I, I'm going back. I did. No, it's odd numbers were not the Yeah. Yeah. No, it should be, it should be like, I think it should be, college football should be 10, the NFL should be 12. Okay. Okay. On the playoff topic, we're going to go around the room. What percentage of teams in a league should make the playoffs? I'm Mm. going to say, okay, I was going to say like 30 to 33%, like a a Mm third-ish. I think I'm comfortable with like 40 even. I'm comfortable with 40, yeah. Okay, Jared, we're going to expand the college football playoff to 26. Let's expand it to 64. Like, what? <laughs> That's not the right. Sorry, no, no, no. What was the math That's on what... that? Like 40 teams, 50 teams in college football making the playoffs? You've heard of March Madness now. You're ready for the exactly. January... I don't know. I don't know what a J word that... Okay, anyway. It would be January and February and, you know, maybe March. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. No, no, no. They're playing once They're playing once a day. Every <laughs> okay. Well, all right. Anyways, let's move, let's move on now. Uh, let's shift gears completely over to the NBA. Um, you'll probably recall this offseason, there was a lot of talk about Dame getting traded 
uh, and Dame saying, no, I'm not, I don't want to leave Portland. And then that kind of died down, but it's back again. There are growing reports once again of Dame getting frustrated. He's shot the reports down so far, as he always has, but it feels like it might be a thing that's just a matter of time at this point. Lucas, what do you think? Should the Blazers start actually look to move on? And what can yeah. Portland do to, to turn their season around? I think at some point, as an organization, you just sort of have to cut your losses and move on. Like, recognize that you're not going to win a championship with their core and just sort of go into full rebuild mode. And I think the Blazers might currently be at that point with Dame. Aside from reaching the conference finals a few years back, it was 2019, right? Uh, this team has been in the same place for the last five years without a real chance at a title. If Dame is growing even a little bit dissatisfied and isn't playing up to his best and wants to play for a championship contender, I don't know if Portland's going to be the place for him. They don't have the assets to trade to get star players around him, and his co-star CJ McCollum recently suffered a really scary collapsed lung um, and also probably can't be the second best player on the team, regardless of that injury or not. That wins a championship. So if you're Dame and you want a chance to win, I think you have to look for a trade. And if you're the Blazers and you know you can't win, a, and he can't win a title there, I think you just have to move on and rebuild. This may be kind of doom and gloom, but I don't think in their current state, especially with growing frustration over Chauncey Billups as their head coach, I don't think the Blazers can really turn around their season unless they make a dramatic move which, again, they just don't really have the assets to do. So it may be tough and like a sad divorce, but I just think the clock is sort of running out on Dame time in Portland. Yeah. I think I've, I've felt that way for a few years for him now, to be entirely honest with you. It never really what? felt... It felt, like it felt like their ceiling was never that high to me. I don't know, right? Like Lucas said, CJ Nicole probably can't be your second best, and I think... Like, he's never even been an all-star, right? It, it, like, it, it, they've had so many years of opportunity to try to pair Dame with, with, like, more talent. And management just never is able to pull it off. Who is their third best player that they've gotten him? Yurkic? Or Nurkic? Yeah, whatever Nurkic, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. like, it's under it's so underwhelming. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like if you're a... We talk about this with the NBA a lot, at least maybe me and Wyatt do. If you're a small market team, you just have to draft well and kind of get a little bit lucky through free agency, like you're not going to be making the same trades that the Lakers can make, that the Clippers can make, that the Celtics can make, maybe even the Mavericks. I don't know if you want to throw them in there. Um, the Bulls, for example. Like, you're not, it's not a, Portland's not a free agency destination. Neither was Milwaukee, right? So you had to kind of get a really, you nailed the draft pick with Giannis, right? And then you bring in some pieces, and Middleton, and then you bring in some pieces that, if you have to bring in, you have to bring in one piece. You know what I mean? CJ uh, just was not quite up to the same level that could like elevate, or may just Dame wasn't on the same level as Giannis is to elevate that team to where it needs to be. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of both. Um, but but my worry is you turn into the Oklahoma City Thunder where they had like kind of a promising core, and now what are they doing? They're floundering. They're getting beat by seventy points. You know, it's like. That's a pretty doom and gloom franchise at this point. And when are you going to draft somebody that's as good and as loyal as Dame has been to the Blazers for how long he's been there? It's, I don't know, it's just going to be tough. Yeah. And they're, but they're stuck between a rock and a hard place, though. I don't know what to do. Yeah. Well, but there's, there's the question, should they look to trade him versus should he look to get traded? Because they're not the same thing, right? I think what sort of return, more What sort of ask. return do you think you're going to get from Dame? Because if you give him, if you want picks... 
They're going to be late first-round picks because Dame's not going to let that team be a lottery pick, most likely. <laughs> what players are you you know, you know like? What players are out there that you think they can get? Ben well, Simmons. Ben Simmons. <laughs> <laughs> Do not bring Ben Simmons to Portland. We will, please, no, please, please send no. Ben Simmons to Portland. It's pretty close to Alaska, based on my. Uh, it's the closest it's, team to Alaska. It's to Alaska, so, yeah. So, <laughs> no, dude, that would be a disaster. He would hate it here. I think the Ben Simmons thing is interesting because the the Blazers' offense is really really good and their defense is really really bad, and so he would be a really good pairing for them if they were able to keep Dame somehow. But how could they possibly pull it off without trading Dame? I don't know. Um, yeah. But I don't know that the Blazers, like, would they want to take Ben for Dame? <laughs> They're getting worse. No. Well, ben, uh, and then you have to try to build around well, Ben Simmons. Ben, is is, is Ben Simmons's trade value kind of low right now, though? Is there a way that you can pull off a little coup and get him, get him motivated to play with Dame and Chauncey and CJ? I don't know. You'd have to get rid of CJ most likely. Yeah, the Sixers aren't going to give him up without getting Dame. I don't think. Mm. They're going to want an all-star. Yeah. yeah. They've, they've explicitly said they want a top 25 player for Ben. All right, CJ McCollum. There you go. The, Honestly, the loose definition of top 25. <laughs> okay, CJ was always underrated, though, in CJ's defense. Yeah. CJ should have been an all-star. But yeah, at this point, is he top 25? No. no that's, yeah. Yeah. That's the problem fair. is, like, the, the, the Sixers have Seth Curry, who is, like, does kind of the same thing as CJ. Like, it'd be kind of redundant to trade for him mm. at this point. So. I don't know. Mm. What about the Boston Celtics? Portland gets Jalen Brown. That's a better offer. Yeah. I still don't know if the Blazers would take that. Yeah, they I absolutely that would. If, the they can, they're not going to pay him to his two-year $107 million extension he wants. Is pretty ridiculous, by the way. I think he's kind of just forcing their hand. There's no way, you know, I think at that point it's like, well, we're not going to re-sign him, so just get something, you know? I've heard some talk about the Lakers, too, which no. I think would just be a nightmare, which would be no. an absolute disaster. And Russ is going to come to Portland or something? like? Yeah, uh-huh. No. I mean, I guess <laughs> it would be kind of like- fun. He'd sell some tickets if that's what Portland wants, but... He could go back to being a triple-double machine every night. <laughs> yeah. He yeah. was with the Thunder. But it's just like, that team would run so poorly. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> if Dane went there. Yeah. Triple-double does not equal win. <laughs> exactly. One uh, interesting one that I read about, well, actually, there were two. One was the, the Timberwolves. have to shout out the Timberwolves. Mm. If they managed to get rid of D'Lo and throw in a bunch of picks, do you think mm-hmm. the Blazers would like that? Uh, but those picks, I mean, those, picks are, picks. those picks are going to be like probably like what 16th or so overall maybe like a well, little lower do than the that. thing that some teams have like doing recently which is ask for picks like six years in the future and just bank on the the team mm-hmm. getting bad again which worked like the the thunder i think did that and it worked out or yeah. the thunder of an insane number of first has it worked yeah. it hasn't worked out yet everything in terms of yeah yeah <laughs> It well, hasn't yeah, worked out yet. Eventually, Jerry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, get back to me in 2032. Well, what about the... I don't know what the Sixers uh, really did, but what about the trust the process, like tanking, getting a bunch of first-round picks, early first-round picks? That has not yet come to fruition either. They got one hit. Okay, yeah, but they haven't well, won a championship. <laughs> yeah. So, you know. Yeah, but but it's better than where they were. I mean, I like, yeah. <laughs> might have been lofty to 
have the goal be championship in that okay. case. But, but they, they did improve. They got like one and a, I'll give it one and a half hits. Ben was pretty good. <clears throat> yeah. Okay, if the if yeah. if the Lucas is I'll ask you first. If if Dame does go to the Sixers, do you think they're like a favorite a favorite in the East at that point? Probably in the West. Or probably just in, in the NBA maybe. Maybe. I I'd be interested to see how well Damon uh, and B play together. Probably yeah. pretty well. They space the they they would completely yeah, space yeah. out the floor. You have Dame pulling yeah. up from like fifty feet back <laughs> and then and B dominating the paint. So that I think yeah. that's hard to defend. No. And then Seth, and then you got Seth Curry if you don't give him up. Yeah, but my too. thing is just like I'm like Bart is with the Vikings, like I am with the Sixers. I'm just doom and gloom. Like I feel like something <laughs> would go wrong, and it just Probably wouldn't turn, turn out well. Yeah, I mean, in, in theory, on paper, it's an incredible move. They'd be the favorite in the East, but like I don't know, like a starting five of Seth and Dame and Embiid and I guess I don't know Thibault or. Green or Harris, like it'd be good. I don't know who would, like who would leave in the deal too, like of those guys. But but in theory, like it would work out really well. But I'm not optimistic. Something would go wrong. <laughs> if Dame, like if Dame does have to get <laughs> traded, I, that's where I would want to see him go. Is the Sixers personally? I think that's the most fun, yeah. one of the most fun oh. options I can think of right now. I agree. All right, let's move on to the biggest NBA news of the week, um, which was. Steph finally breaking Ray Allen's record for three-pointers made in a career. Uh, interestingly enough, he did it in like 500 fewer games or something like that. It's absolutely nuts. Um, he's probably, I mean, I don't know if we think that that record is ever going to get broken, but it very well might not. Um, but anyways, um, him breaking the record seems to pose an interesting question. I think I saw this on Twitter originally. Is Steph better at shooting threes than any athlete has ever been at like one specific skill? So we wanted to go through and just talk about some some other athletes that we think might have better cases for that claim. Uh, so Jared, let's start with you. So I'm I'm glad I'm going first because I think two others might have the same person. To be honest, I am saying this person actually has a great case. The best athlete at any skill ever was Ricky Henderson stealing bases. Um. All right, cool. No, I, I had him noted as well. Okay, cool. Yeah, well, he holds the MLB record, obviously, of 1,406 stolen bases. Second place is 938, so he's almost 500 clear of the next guy, I think is pretty crazy. And, like, to put it in perspective, the active player with the most stolen bases right now, uh, D. Gordon, as long as this is still accurate, according to that, like, MLB reference, it only has 333. So literally a thousand less <laughs> than Ricky Henderson. I don't think we're ever going to see this record getting broken unless MLB, unless the way that the MLB game is played like dramatically changes because small balls dying, and um, Luke one of Lucas's favorite channels, the SB Nation Dorktown, did a a little video on this that the in terms of looking at like the records that were set, a lot of them were set pretty early on. Like when you think of the home run rec- record, right? Babe Ruth obviously set that very early on. And then only marginally increased past then. So we kind of like by like the 20s and 30s had maximized what people can do on a baseball field. But Ricky Henderson, while the game, while the MLB game was like mature, like already 80 years old, all of a sudden like completely took the record to a new direction. And like that just doesn't happen in terms of like what Steph does in terms of how he changed the game too. Ricky Henderson like was playing 
a different game than anybody else was. I mean, like one season, he stole 130 bases, like almost won a game. <laughs> That's insane. That is absolutely, like we we will literally, probably, we will never see that again. I don't think. That would be so crazy. Yeah. Like one, ta- one time he stole five bases in a game on four, what? Plate, appear- <laughs> four plate appearances. He didn't even hit, he didn't even record a hit either. <laughs> and he scored four runs in that game. So he Interesting also, trivia. Do we know what the record for most stolen bases in the game by one player is? Because that's not it. I thought it would be. Oh, when I saw that. I would have thought it was. It's, yeah. what is it it's actually, it's, it's four players had six. Yeah. Oh, wow. Which is that's insane. Wow. Even five is crazy. How I'm sorry, though. No, that's good. I would say um, where Steph like probably has like a better case base. over Ricky is Steph is also, not only does he have like the all-time record in terms of three-pointers made, but he's pretty efficient. Like he's seventh all-time. Which is a little bit comparatively better, like than Ricky's standings. Though I would say uh, the stolen base, like uh, percentage, like in terms of success rate, is not really heavily qualified. Like there's some people. The number one guy on the list has 91 attempts, where Ricky Henderson has like a thousand, like more than a thousand. I think he has like 2,000 even. But he still was 80.7 percent successful, which is pretty crazy. And even then, with that success rate, he also holds the record for most times caught stealing, which just shows yeah. how much he was running. It's crazy. Yeah. So, I don't know. I think Ricky Henderson's records are, like, pretty unbeatable. He played for, like, outside of that, too. He played for 25 years. His MVP was in his 12th season. Like, the longevity of him was pretty insane. So, I would say if anybody has a case against Steph, it's Ricky Henderson stealing a base. Yeah. That 80% is way higher than I thought it was going to be, or at least a bit higher than I thought it was going to be. Because, like, a lot of stolen bases, at least at this point in baseball, are based on surprise to some degree. not Or not even surprise, just, like, it's not a super frequent thing. So, you know, people aren't always, like, super on guard for it. Um, So the fact that if Ricky Henderson was on first base, you probably knew that he was going to try to steal Mm -hmm. and that they still only got him, you know, 80.7% of the time. That's pretty wild. Yeah. He's crazy. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's move on then to who's next? Aiden. Aiden. Who do you got? Yeah. So I'm rereading the prompt and I see that we mentioned the word athlete. So this might not be. Oh. <laughs> oh as no. Rifle <laughs> shooter. Is it a horse? <laughs> <laughs> a horse can be an athlete. So it's <laughs> okay. not a horse. I, I was thinking more of like an athletic skill associated with the sport, uh, but I realize this might not uh, be as qualified. Uh, but I was, you know, I was thinking it was... <laughs> this is not as wild as you think it's going to be. Um, but I was thinking of basketball in particular. At least my first thought was basketball in terms of Steph Curry is pretty good at, you know, shooting a basketball. He's he's solid at it. Um, mm-hmm. You, you got to give him that. And so I was thinking about other people who have been good at shooting a basketball, though not necessarily while moving or while being guarded by an NBA defender. Um, so I was particularly interested in the, the records around the most free throws made in a row, which mm-hmm. get pretty wild at a certain point. Um, uh-huh. In particular, we have uh, Tom Amberry, household name. I, you know, I don't know why I um, said his last name. We all... We all know who Tom is. He's the top. Yeah. Um, he is LeBron. Uh, he is Steph. Yeah, he's the most famous athlete slash podiatrist um, that there is <laughs> in the world. Um, but anyway, after after college, he played college basketball, I think, and um, 
he turned down a two-year contract with the Minneapolis Lakers. That's how long ago this was. Uh, to go to <laughs> podiatry school. Uh, you know, an easy decision for any of us to make. Uh, but it wasn't even after that that he, you know, became really good at free throws. I'm sure he was already good at that point. But he waited to break the world record until he was 71, and he hit 2,750 straight uh, free throws. What? Which is, you know, it's... 2,750 free throws at the age of 71. That's crazy. Yeah, and he went on to coach a bunch of Chicago Bulls players in the 90s, so probably like Jordan and whatnot, uh-huh. um, on how to shoot free throws. Because, yeah, they were like, oh, this guy, he's, you know, he's, you know, he knows feet well. <laughs> he also, <laughs> That's he also crazy. knows free throws, um, which is absurd. But anyway, that record was not good enough, apparently. Because three three years later, Ted St. Martin, a guy um, who played high school basketball but wasn't even a starter on his high school basketball team, apparently, hit 5,221 straight free throws <laughs> at the age of 55. And I he don't did it. That's I'm real. pretty sure. Yeah, hot, like, <laughs> honestly, Tom Amberry's number, I, I forgot the exact hours over which he did it, but I think it was like 11 or 12 hours he hit. 2,700 free throws. Um, Ted St. Martin hit this, you know, over 5,000 number over the course of, I think it was eight or nine hours. So way less time. What? He hit 5K plus free throws what in the that heck? period. No way. And that's so, not, that's like, not. Let's do some quick math. Like Steph Curry wishes. Like it's yeah. Steph Curry at, you know, a, a max. That's not hit possible. 80 in a row. Hit eighty free throws in a row, and again, you know, we're talking about a, a different scenario. There's there's crowds, there's you know pressure, there's you know fatigue and whatnot. Um, though you know maybe on free throw five thousand two hundred twenty, you're fatigued. But, um, but yeah, so Wait, did... in terms of like a specific skill um, or a specific like skill that we associate with athletics, well done to Tom Amberry, and even more well done to Ted St. Martin. Did you, like did you say nine, every 10 seconds did you say nine right? hours i think yeah. it was nine hours let's yeah about every 10 seconds it's definitely possible uh, wait no isn't that 500 is that 580 per hour that's not possible yeah it's just like one every 10 seconds he just had people feeding him wait let's see should we should we set I mean, up, set up no, a that, no it's right not <laughs> should, we, should we make it happen that's yeah. 10 every second it's the other way around I don't think so because there are 3,600 seconds in an hour, right? So. Oh yeah, I'm doing this because of this the hour uh, conversion. Yeah. But still, 580. <laughs> no, 580. It's like it's one every 10 seconds. It's one every six, according to Google. Oh. Five. Uh, let me, let me confirm. Did you see athletic prowess to be able to do that? It's At insane. 55. Yeah. It's like bam, bam, bam. I, I know everybody listening can see me motioning, picking up a ball, and shooting a free throw. <laughs> no, but it, it is right, though. I mean, fatigue would absolutely come into play, and, like, not even yeah, after that many. Totally would. After, like, probably, like, 100 or 200, your arm would start feeling like, oh, man, I can't do this for that much longer. Yeah. That's crazy. That's insane. The amount of practice that that... Was that I was going to ask, is that Guinness World Verified? Yes, it is. Book of Records Yes, verified? it is. Or it's That's the, the current Guinness World Record for it. Yeah, but I, I will follow up on uh, That's the, crazy. the exact time of it. <laughs> <sighs> all right, all right. Well, anyways, let's move on to, to you, Lucas. 
All right, mine's slightly less exciting, but I'm going to go Michael Phelps at swimming the 200-meter butterfly, mm. I think, is a pretty compelling case. Um, there are a lot of things you could choose for Michael Phelps as being the best ever at, but I think his performances in his signature event, which is the 200-meter butterfly, show that he might have been more skilled at swimming that stroke at that distance and swimming than anybody's ever been at any sports skill in history. So let's run through his record at major events. These are the major competitive events he ever... Um, swam this event at um and i'm not skipping any i'm just reading them all out 2001 world championships gold at age 15 setting a world record 2003 world champs gold 2004 olympics gold olympic record 2006 pan pacific games gold world record 2007 world championships gold world record 2008 olympics gold world record olympic record 2009 world champs gold world record 2010 pan pacific champs gold 2011 world champs gold 2012 olympics his first slip up silver 2016 olympics gold after coming out of retirement in every single major meet he ran or not ran swam he only <laughs> lost once and everybody's allowed a slip up steph curry misses some shots michael phelps can slip up once in the 200 meter butterfly his 2009 time was the world record for 10 years which is the longest anybody has ever held the world record for the other previous longest or the only, like, the next closest, like, length for someone to hold a world record in that event um, was, like, three or four years or something like that. So he almost doubled the longest world record time. He was just passed by Christoph Milok two years ago. Um, and while it might not be the fastest time anymore, I think you could make a very compelling case that if Phelps was racing now with current performance techniques, etc., it was Milok's age, he would absolutely still set the world record. I mean, the fact that he held the world record for 10 years when the next longest was, like, four, I think says something. So I think all that being said... Michael Phelps swimming the 200-meter butterfly may be the best any athlete was at any skill. Yeah, that's a good... Oh, my God. Yeah. I definitely... The, I thought about him, yeah. The, like... Just the setting the world record at age 15 is crazy. And then just, like, continuing that level of dominance for the next decade and a half. Like, 15 years after he first did it, he did it again. I didn't realize... Yeah, I didn't realize he set a record at, at 15. Yeah, that's crazy. That's insane. Yeah, it's got to be really hard to take as a another 200-meter <laughs> butterfly swimmer. Though it's interesting yeah. that swimmers, I would have expected swimmers to like hit their prime, I guess, more into their, you know, low 20s or whatnot. But you see a lot mm -hmm. of swimmers, like, in their teens just go mm -hmm. wild. Like, Katie Ledecky also set, like, mm -hmm. I feel like a bunch of records when she was in her teens. Yeah, yeah. she's crazy good, too. Yeah. I remember when uh, Katie Ledecky was like winning medals they were like now she's gonna go back to high school and like yeah. all her friends are like <laughs> i don't know i thought that was funny yeah she's our age too which is yeah that's crazy yeah march 17th 97 very close being the classic person at my age is doing this like crazy successful <laughs> thing and then i have to compare so I myself suck. yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. um all right well i'll round us out um, I was really excited to talk about Ricky Henderson, so screw you, Jared. But I, I knew this would happen, so I have a backup. Oh. Um, so, I, yeah, I wanted to... I thought about a few. I wanted to give some honorable mentions. I, I thought about Peyton Manning doing pre-snap reads, but it's impossible oh. to quantify that, so yeah. I, I gave up. <laughs> I also wanted to give a shout-out to Leo Messi. I wanted to talk about his ball control, but that one's also kind of hard to quantify. Um, mm. But I feel like if you just watch his highlights, you see what I mean. So what I'm actually going to go with is... This might be recency bias, but LeBron and finishing at the rim is one that I think is he has a very, very good claim for. So 
the NBA has only tracked uh, like distance on field goal percentage since '97. But based on what I could tell, LeBron is like clearly still the best at finishing inside the rim, and it's crazy because that's like not—he's not like a big man, right? So it, I think that the main pe person that people would think to compare him to is Jordan. But if you look at Jordan's numbers, for, like in his like elite, I'm, I'm taking a lot of this from a Reddit comment, by the way, which is like the only, <laughs> the only like no, I mean they link you to stats on the NBA site, but uh, I couldn't really find a bunch of concrete stats on this. Jordan's last two years where he would be called quote quote unquote elite. He shot 61% and 52% from within five feet, which is a lot worse than LeBron basically ever shoots. Uh, outside of his rookie year, LeBron shot 66%. That was his lowest. He's had nine seasons in his career where he shot more than 70% in his uh, inside five feet. His highest ever was 78.2%. And the crazy thing is, like, I compared him to Shaq. Shaq has never even shot that well inside five feet. That's and Shaq crazy. is Shaq. Shaq literally, like, broke the glass of backboards. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's just, it's crazy that LeBron has so consistently been so good at it for basically his whole career. And in addition to being consistent, he's like basically also as good at it percentage wise as anybody else that I could find. Um, like I didn't want to like, I'm sure you could find people like the Andre Drummonds of the world who only ever hit like dunk basically. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, but I don't think that counts. Like you can what? also like looking at no no I mean looking at like highlights you can tell that LeBron is like actually taking difficult shots and like forcing his way into you know meaningful layups. Mm -hmm. Anyways, so this one's also a little bit hard to quantify, but I think he has a great exam uh, a great argument for that. Yeah, yeah I think so too. Yeah. I didn't even thought about that, but I think that's a really compelling point. Yeah, yeah I I definitely did not I think agree. about that, but yeah. Oh, one last honorable mention I forgot to mention him. Uh, some guy named John Eisner serving in yeah. tennis is that it? you know yeah okay yeah. that's apparently he's like insanely good at that uh, which i thought was funny okay but anyway this is a good segue from lebron back to steph mm -hmm. another question that we thought was interesting to discuss is whether steph might perhaps be overtaking lebron as the basketball icon of our generation stephen a recently said that he was on uh on a, like on a show so jared let's throw it to you is this is this just one of those classic stephen a hot take sound bites or is he actually onto something I think he is absolutely right. I think it was LeBron's world from the days of the Heatles. And then Steph Curry, if Steph Curry never came along, I think LeBron James' uh, hegemony, like dominance over the NBA would never, like nobody would be even close to him. But I think Steph has a really good argument. Uh, I think, I didn't find any way to quantify this. I'm sure there's a survey out there somewhere, but I would bet more people growing up are playing the game and want to emulate Curry's game more than LeBron's game. Because not everybody can be like a 6'8 physical specimen that LeBron is, but anybody theoretically can shoot the ball as good as Curry does with enough practice. Um, so I think like his game, the way he plays, is a little more... Um, like lends itself better to watching on television, watching live... And in terms of just sheer entertainment value, I think um, uh, Steph Curry definitely has a really good case at it. I also think Curry is more like apolitical, which makes him more of a blank canvas off the court where people can kind of project anything they want to, where LeBron is obviously a lot more outspoken. And that's like kind of a magnet. It's magnetism. Like people will draw to him a lot more strongly because of it, but people also will push away from him a lot more strongly. But I think because Curry's a little more neutral, he could potentially have 
like a, a more kind of like Jordan where you, like you can kind of put a, a mythical quality to him because he doesn't say anything off the court really. All his playing is done on the, all his talking is done like on the court. And I think Steph Curry is in a similar vein of that. Now Under Armour also has the Curry brand is potentially who knows what will happen with that company, but maybe that gets big too and he becomes more even more of a household name than he is now. You know who knows, but I think he's got a really good case to be honest, just in terms of cultural impact and whose game would I rather watch like in a pickup game? I'd rather watch somebody doing what Steph Curry's doing than what LeBron does. And I think too, to add on to that, like I think Steph has changed the way the game of basketball has been played in a way in which LeBron, I don't think did like nobody will ever match LeBron in terms of just being like uniquely good at everything. Like there, there's no question that he is an excellent scorer, an excellent rebounder, the most one of the most athletic people that's ever played in the NBA. Great at passing, like he just does everything really well. But he did did everything that was really well in like a way that was, you know, existed within the NBA always. When Steph Curry and Clay Thompson, but more so Steph, came along with the Splash Brothers and like just bombing deep from three, that completely changed the way the NBA was played. Um, to the point where like when the the Warriors set the record for most threes taken in the season, like five or six years back when they won their first title. Um, like most NBA teams take more threes than that per season now. Like it's just, <laughs> he just the he's completely changed the way the game has been played, and I think for that reason alone, he has a very good case as well. Like, will he ever be as like uniquely dominant at everything? Um, and for that reason, be admired as LeBron? No, but I think what he's done has been more transformative for how basketball has been played, and I think, like you said, more people will model their game after him. So I think looking 10, 20 years down the line. Like, absolutely will respect LeBron as, like, one of the greatest all-around players ever. But I think Steph is a more iconic player because he's, like, he's so uniquely good at, like, one thing. And with that good thing, has so transformed the way the game of basketball is being played. Hmm. Do you think it's a, do you think it's going to be viewed as, like, a Magic Larry 1980s basketball? Or is it going to be more viewed like Jordan to Kobe? What do you, you know what I mean? What do you think? The latter. I mean, no, because like uh, Larry and Magic were in the league for base. Like, they had a lot more overlap, right? Okay. I mean, they they played each other in college. Mm. Curry feels much more like a successor to me, even though he's not that much uh, younger. Yeah, that's that's why I'm curious about it because they their primes did overlap for a long time as well. Might not have been as perfect, but I think it might. I mean, it might just be LeBron having such a long career. Like LeBron's had a lot of rivals. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Even the, even if you remove the entire like four straight years of of LeBron playing stuff in the finals, uh, like you could have other arguments. Who? Like, I think you're, you're the most like, like iconic the Celtics? era of LeBron basketball is like the Heat. Is the Heat? Yeah. 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 And I think that Steph wasn't his rival. Like, yeah. Like a kid. That one. Who was his rival then? Does anybody also, rival LeBron this, in this terms of personality and talent? I don't know if you really can make that argument other than Steph. I agree. With KD that. But maybe, like, but they just didn't really meet them. Yeah, KD's right. But like those two years of really KD being on the Warriors to me kind of discount it being a Steph LeBron rivalry. I'm like, I'm not even kidding. No, I mean, yeah. no, that's. Yeah. It's weird because I just like I don't think KD is like a very iconic player. Like he's no. clearly one of the best, but like he's just like really good. Like, <laughs> yeah. Other than being really good. Yeah. I don't know what that means necessarily, but and I can't like describe why I feel that way. But it's just like, well, right, he's no, a really right. Good basketball player. If you think of you yeah. think of like 
with um, MJ, you think of like the free throw dunk or one of his shots. With LeBron, you think of the block or one of his, I don't know, game-winning three-pointers or just any of his powerful dunks, right? And then Steph yeah. Curry, you think of like him hitting a 40-foot three-point or 40-whatever. Where like, KD, it's like, uh, I don't know, he's like a nice step back or whatever. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah. A good mid-range game, you know, it's like, it's a little... Yeah, yeah. Uh, I did want to say though, I feel like we clearly must disagree, Lucas, especially on what it means to be a, like the icon, because <laughs> yeah. like my first thought was look at like fandom, and so I looked at like jersey sales, for instance, and LeBron is like be he's been the leader in jersey sales six times in his career, Steph only three, and then I know it's not like a super reliable indicator, but also if you look at Instagram followers. LeBron has like 100 million, Steph only has 30. So I feel like if you ask a random person on the globe, do you know who LeBron is? They're much more likely to say yes than do you know who Steph Curry is? Which to me seems like he's like more of like a quote-unquote icon in the same way that everybody knew who Jordan was and Jordan really globalized the NBA. But like, I agree. If you if you think about it from like a revolutionizing the sport perspective, then yeah. yeah Steph well, I guess yeah, it's just like two different yeah. perspectives on what it means to be iconic. Like I think yeah. by your definition, it's absolutely LeBron. But like, I guess I was thinking purely within the confines of like the basketball world, if that makes sense. I think I think Steph yeah, Curry I, has a really good chance though of his legend being greater when he retires. And that we look through it with rose tinted glasses. I don't know about that though. Like Why not? I I do think we'll look at we look at everyone with rose tinted glasses, but we're just gonna see more and more three point shooters over the next 20 years, right? More and more great three-point shooter shooters over the next 20 years. And so even though Steph, like, he's not the first great point, great three-point shooter by any means, um, but he clearly showed this week that he's, you know, at this point, the greatest of all time at that. I feel like he's going to get passed at some point, and we're going to move on to some extent. And he'll be remembered maybe as the first, but I'm not sure people always remember the person, you know, who transforms the game um as much as they do you know later on as to who currently holds whatever records or whatnot and i feel like lebron is gonna stay immortal for a while just because at the moment it's the discussion is jordan versus lebron that's that's the discussion we'll be having for a while someone may replace them at some point um but given the way that the nba is moving exactly zion <laughs> yeah so starting this year starting next year um <laughs> I just like I I definitely think Steph Curry is a very concrete place in NBA history, um, but I'm not convinced that he'll outlast LeBron in terms of his you know the the vision of how we remember them and who we compare them to. Anyway, <laughs> that's it for us today. Um, per usual, follow us on all the social medias where we're on them all: Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. Uh, and you know listen to our backlog we've got you know a couple episodes in the past that we've recorded how many is it yeah 107 so that should only take you a few hours to get through you could double speed them we don't care um, could you shoot 5,000 free throws yeah. quicker or listen yeah, to exactly. all of our episodes exactly. is the real question <laughs> well do you have to listen to them one at, one the at a time, time? <laughs> yes no i have them all going just just take in the information just take in our mm-hmm. um beautiful voices um mm-hmm. but yeah and also listen to our solo shows that jared has been shamelessly self-promoting really mm-hmm. disgusting uh, but we've got some f1s coming up and in the future we've got some pack 12 ones coming up so get hyped for those and yeah we'll be back next week per usual 
with our 109th episode. So thanks for listening.